All right. If you're already there, go ahead and there, turn to Psalms 34, 8. Psalms 34, 8. All right. Continuing on, wonderful fall series on the goodness of God. The goodness of God. For five and a half years, we have started our gatherings together and I say God is good and all the time what does that mean oh um, um, right and and we've been launching off and and really looking at what the Bible what God wants us to know about his goodness so much more than cliche so much more than you know bumper sticker Christianity God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, right? That, that phrase God, right? And we're looking at God is present tense, present tense. Remember that. It's present tense, continuous, good. And we've been, we've been looking at this in, in so many different ways. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord, what? is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 34, 8a again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. What that, what that Bible, the verse in Psalms is saying, hey, experience God's goodness. Experience God's goodness. Are you experiencing God's goodness right now? Because you just said God is good. So if God is present tense right at this very moment, good in his essence, in his being, and that essence and that being of goodness makes and results in him being good towards his kids continuously at this very moment. Are you tasting and seeing that the Lord is good? Now, we have a variety of circumstances and physical, emotional Relational challenges probably in this room at this very moment. Some had a very good week. Some have had a very challenging week. And some are in between. But is God good? Wherever you're at. Because oftentimes, in our faith, in our walk with Jesus, we become, even without knowing it, very circumstance-driven. And we celebrate God's goodness when we get the job. We celebrate God's goodness when He comes through yet again. We, we celebrate God's goodness when the prayer is answered. But do we celebrate God's goodness when the prayer didn't come out the way we thought? Do we celebrate God's goodness when it was on His timeline and not mine? Do we still celebrate God's goodness in the valley of the shadow of death? Because see, God is good. And if we can anchor that, that's why we're just going, we're just taking one step at a time through the fall. Because many of us, our instability, our, our highs and lows in walking with Jesus, even without even being aware of it, is because we're not anchored in His goodness. We're not anchored, anchored in His goodness. I shared before, you know, uh, several years ago, I used to go out pretty frequently uh, on the cattle boats, the fishing boats, out to the islands, and and you go out there, and 
And when you get to a spot, the, the captain starts circling because he sees the bottom structure on his radar. He sees the rocks. He sees fish. And he circles and he circles and everyone gets excited. And then he starts to slow down and suddenly, you know, the engines cut off and you go, bing! And you, know, you want to be the first one down there. And it's like when I fish, I'm so focused. So focused. Nothing else. Everything goes away except the end of my rod. I'm like, and then you get some, da, 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 yeah, this is awesome, this is awesome. And after a while, things get quiet. And no one's catching anymore, right? And suddenly the captain will come over the, the loudspeaker and say, oh, okay, reel them up, we've drifted off. We've drifted off, and I have to reset. So we reel up, and, he, and I'll look up, and I will not even realize how far we've drifted. Because I was so focused on me. That I was so focused on what was right here, I didn't even see, I didn't even feel the boat moving until I was told that we had drifted. Well, sometimes in our life, in our walk with Jesus, we become so focused on what's in front of us, just dealing with the next thing, that God needs to say, okay, reel them up. You drifted from my goodness. And now you're back into circumstance. Reel them up. I gotta reset you. I gotta reset you. You drifted away from my goodness. Amen. We get there, and you're like, oh, how did I get here? How come? How come I'm all of a sudden up and down all over again? Where's my faith? Where's my joy? Where's everything? Uh, it's because you drifted. You dr- reel it up. Reel it up. Reel it up. Robert, reel it up. No, Robert, you're snagged on the bottom there. Come on, reel it up. We'll cut your line. You know, right? So we just drift because we become so tunnel vision where we just lose perspective. And this fall, we're coming way back and we're like, wait, let's start with something that on the surface sounds pretty basic. God is good. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. What does that even mean? And we've been looking at that, and we've been looking at that, and we're going to continue doing that this morning. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you are good. You are. In your essence, in your being, it's really a foundational attribute. All your attributes are connected to your goodness. And yet, as humans living on a fallen planet, we are surrounded by badness. And we are surrounded by trials and tribulations and things that happen unexpectedly, things that don't go our way. We get angry. We get confused. We get hurt. We feel bad. And in the midst of all that, Father, the last six weeks, You've been anchoring us in Your goodness. In talking with so many, You have been transforming lives as people are now making choices based on your goodness. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And now, through your Holy Spirit, would would you do what only you can do? And speak truth to our hearts about your goodness. And then, Lord, you say in James, not just to be hearers, but to be doers. So, Lord, help us to understand how to bring the application. And through the application will come the transformation. So, we love you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In your outlines there, on your notes, you see where we've been, where we've been and the importance of God's goodness, right? Why is it so important? Well, you can be set up for deception, 
despair. Remember the, the, the uh, disciples in the boat? They're getting swamped. Jesus is sleeping. And what do they say to Jesus? Don't you care? And we spent a couple of weeks on that accusation. That's really an accusation about God's goodness. Don't you care? Hey, man. Storm. Hello. Anybody home? Hello. Right? Right? Don't you care? And that's really an accusation of God's goodness. Even the garden. How did, how did the serpent, what was the key to the serpent's deception? Uh, God's not really that good. He's holding, he's holding out on you. He's, he's really not that good. Right? Doubt. We talked about doubt and worry and anxiety. And, and, and if we don't anchor ourselves, we can get twisted pretty quick. Pretty quick, right? And then it says, how does God's goodness impact my life? We spent the last few weeks. Our priorities, right? Hey, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. So we talked about worry and anxiety. He said, hey, all that energy and effort and time you put into worry and anxiety, if you can quantify that, Matthew 6 says, hey, just put that into seeking God first. In his goodness, you can seek him first, right? And then last week we said, we looked at the impact of God's goodness on our prayer life. And we, challenged, we were challenged that many of us may not be so enthused to pray because we're not so sure he's a good God. Our, our perception and understanding of God's goodness is directly related to our motivation and enthusiasm to pray. Right? And I talked about last Last week, you know, if you've ever had that situation where you want to go talk to your boss and ask for time off and whatever, the principal or the teacher, and you're scared about their reaction, you're scared that they're going to say no or reject you, right? Sometimes we bring in that fear and anxiety to God through what we call prayer because we're not anchored in His goodness. We're not anchored in His goodness. And we saw in Matthew 7, no, God's good. He wants good things for you. Right? And many of you, what really resonated when, I, when we started looking at the, the nature of God's goodness was that God is good. Now, the challenging part about that is we equate good with behavior. Right? Be a good boy. Be a good girl. Right? So when we say God is good, we often limit it to his, what we would say his good behavior. But really what that means is God is the essence of goodness. Right? Like, you know, many of you are familiar with, more familiar with God is love. Right? So when we say God is love, we resonate with God is the essence of love. Right? He's the essence of love. That's the same meaning with God is good. He is the source of all goodness. And as the source of all goodness for his children, he wants what? Good. 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 Continuously. See? How many of us have ever just stopped long enough to reflect on the fact that not only is God good, but in the essence of his goodness, he is desiring my good. All the time. Who would want that kind of a who, who wants to know that God? I'm not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity, name it and claim it. We talked about that. I'm talking about a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, and knows what is our ultimate good and wants that. Amen? 
Who would want to walk in covenant with a God who not only knows your ultimate good, but wants that for you? We often will pray as if God is stingy. We have to beg. We have to, you know, jump through all these hoops and do all this kind of stuff. And then maybe, maybe if he's in a good mood, he'll give me some leftovers. Anyone? How many of us approach prayer? God, it's me again. I know. Don't mean to bother you. Here I am. If you see fit. If it's not too much of a bother. If you happen to have some other stuff laying around you don't need. Could you kick it my way? If not, I understand because I'm a nobody. And I'm probably on the bottom of your priority list anyway. But I'm just throwing it up because the pastor said I'm supposed to pray. So here you go, God. Come on now. Versus, you are a good God. And, and, and you say in your word that you desire good things for your children. You told me in Matthew 6, I'm not supposed to worry, but I'm supposed to seek you first. So here I am. I look forward to seeing your goodness to me. Amen? Woo! The goodness of God is so radically tied to our joy in the Lord. It just radically is. How many of you, when you were little, look forward to, to like Christmas and Santa and all that because Santa was a good guy? I'm not saying you believed it, but right? You had good vibes about Santa. Right? You, and, and, and I shared last week, take it the right way. All that good vibe multiplied. What if we had that to God who is good? Wow! I want to be with that God. I want to walk with that God. I want to read that God's word. I want to be with that God's people. See what I'm saying? The goodness of God is so transformative if we'll take the time to taste and see that what? The Lord is good all the time. For who? You and me, His kids. It is absolutely freeing. Oh, you can go, oh, thank you. Thank you. But you have to really spend the time, guys, to ask yourself a really hard question. What do I really believe about God's nature? How do I really see God? Remember I talked about beliefs affect your thoughts, affect your emotions, ultimately affect your actions. So you have to go all the way back, spend the necessary time. It's not a one-off. It's not like that. Because many of us, all of us have these deeply ingrained beliefs we're not even aware of. What's your picture of God right now? What's your picture of God? Good? Angry. Intimately involved in your life? Distant. What do you believe about God? You believe in His goodness because it's going to affect your thoughts about Him, your emotions, and ultimately how you walk with Him. You've got to go to your beliefs, right? And, and, and yesterday I had this, this you know, human example where, where, where I was really had to, to ask myself, do I really believe in this guy's goodness? Right? Because if you, if you doubt goodness, it affects your attitude. Right? How many of you have ever worked for a boss you thought was just good? My boss is good. He's a good guy. Right? And you would, it affected your demeanor, right? 
How many of you have ever worked for a boss you didn't really care for because you doubted their goodness? Were you raring to go Monday morning? It was all you could do to get there and put in your time. Where are you at with God's goodness? Same thing. Same thing, right? And, and yesterday, right, my friend Tyler in the back says, let's go on a bike ride. You know, he's teaching me the ropes about um, mountain biking. So I got this bike and used bike, full suspension, never been on one. And they talk about this trail where you go up to Summit School and you go climb. It's called Seesaw. And then you go across this ridge, that high ridge over there, and you come down Gridley Trail. Right? So we begin. Picks me up at 7 yesterday morning. His son takes us, drops us off behind Summit School. And we begin. And I'm going to be honest with you. There were several times yesterday, but for my confidence in his goodness, I would have picked up a rock and thrown it at him. <laughs> it was steep. A couple of th- times I was glad I wasn't clipped in. I was on flat pedals because I had to put my, my foot down lest I have a concussion and not be here. Right? And so we climbed for hours yesterday, and with beautiful views. But you know, there are times when you're just, he's up ahead of me, and I'm just staring at the dirt. Okay, Tyler's a good guy. He didn't bring me up here to punish me. Tyler, Tyler's good. And he would wait, and we would rest, and he would wait, and rest. And then, and then coming down Gridley, if you've never come down Gridley, that's like, five and a half miles of survival, like big old boulders. and he thinks that These two use the word fun. I told him, I'm not, so, I'm not so good on fun yet. I'm like, survival, yes. Survival, yes. And yesterday, I was hot and tired, and we're climbing for like four hours. We had to climb up to the top. And in the middle of that, the heat and the exhaustion, here's the thing. And I, I, if I wasn't solid... In his goodness, meaning that he wasn't that he wanted my best in this, my whole attitude I would have it would have changed everything. It would have been it would have been painful ordeal. Why are you putting me through this, man? This is not fun, you know. But because I trusted in his goodness, in his goodness towards me, in his nature, and he would wait and he'd tell me, you know, this is where we're going, and that it, it made it. It actually made it pretty enjoyable in the, in, in the midst of the trials and the tribulations and all that kind of stuff. Because I had settled the issue of his heart towards me, it was good. It was good. It was tough, challenging. Not so sure I'm going back. But, uh, you know. But it was because I was solid with his heart and his goodness towards me and his care and his concern. Right? And he, he would push me. But the goodness issue was not, a, was not in doubt. How many of us in our life, you're on this journey with God and you maybe are staring at the front wheel and you're hot and you're tired. You're wondering how much further and maybe you're starting to wonder about this God's goodness. Why do you take me here? How much longer? Is He just going to leave me out here? Is He going to wait? Right? And that's why it's so important, the goodness of God in our, in our journey of sanctification, in this thing we call life. You've got to settle the goodness. 
Because when you start to waver in the goodness, then the devil comes in. Then the flesh comes in. Then other people come in. And you get spun. And you drift. So you've got to settle the goodness. In Exodus 33, we'll turn to Exodus 33. You see this interaction between God and Moses. In the context, Exodus 33, God says, okay, my people, it's time to go to the promised land. All right, so Exodus, second book of the Bible, verse 33. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. All right, so pick up camp. All million plus of you, you're going to the promised land. It's a journey. It wasn't going to be a cakewalk. They were going on a journey. It was going to be hot. If you ever been in Israel, the wilderness, it, you know, that Middle East, it's hot. Now, all these people, good news, we're going to the promised land, but it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a journey, right? And so, at first, God says, I'm not going to go because you're stiff-necked. Moses intercedes. God says, okay, I'm going to go with you. My presence will go with you. But then Moses makes a second request or a third request. It's really interesting. Look at Exodus 33:18. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. And I get that. It's like, okay, big movement. We're going to the promised land. There's, you know, a lot of people there that are going to, you know, the Canaanites and all them, right? God had said the angel's going to move out. Still a lot of hard work. So Moses maybe is saying, okay, show me what you're about, God. Show me your glory so that I have confidence. I know who's going with me. Show me your glory, right? Wouldn't you have wanted, if you were Moses, like, Lord, show me how powerful you are. Do something. Show me something that, that when, when things get rough, I'm going to know who you are. I want to see your glory, God. You told us to go. We're going. Show me your glory. Look what God says. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Moses says, hey, show me your glory. God says, I want to show you my goodness. Mm. God said, Moses, you need to see my goodness. You need to know my goodness. My goodness. All of his attributes flow out of his goodness. And then the last part it says, I will proclaim my name. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. His sovereignty. Moses, I'm going to show you my goodness and my sovereignty. See, we talked a couple weeks before where how many of you affirm that God is all-powerful? Hey, how many of you affirm that God is sovereign? He can do, he's a sovereign, right? We've grown up affirming those two truths. One of the truths you've not connected, though, to is His goodness. See? God in His goodness is all-powerful. God in His goodness is sovereign. Does that change it? Right? Because you've heard uh, that phrase, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Right? In the, in the political realm, 
You've got to settle the issue. Okay, yeah, God, you're all powerful. God, you can do anything you want. But are you good when you do that? Are you good? See, if you trust his goodness, you want him to exercise his power. If you trust his goodness, you want him to be the sovereign. If you're wavering about his goodness, his power and sovereignty might actually make you hesitant and fearful. Because you're not so sure what he's going to do with it. You see the difference? Goodness and power and sovereignty and control over everything, they're all linked. That's where you get to rest. Lord, for a lot of years, you know, you try to find maybe some attribute that you really like. You know, you should know them all. You should like them all. But sometimes I'm going to rest that God's all-powerful. I'm going to rest that God's in control. How many of you have ever used the phrase, God is in control? And you try to rest there? Well, I want to encourage you with this. Rest in His goodness. Lord, I'm going to rest in Your goodness and know You're in control. I'm going to rest in Your goodness and know You're all-powerful. You see the difference? Rest in His goodness because He desires good for who? Right? Right? That's, that's where, ah, that feeling of, ah. And so we find this. Turn to Psalm, Psalms 119. God says, Moses, now you need, to, you need to settle my goodness. Before we go on this trip, here's my goodness. Settle that. My goodness and my sovereignty. And then look what Psalm 119.68 says. Psalm 119.68 You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. See the link? God's goodness and what? God's Word. You settle the issue of God's goodness, hey, you're good. And what you do is good? Oh man, I want to know your Word. Teach me your decrees. Teach me your statutes. Ah. Right? I love that. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Whew. I've shared with you before that video where uh, someone goes in their Bible and they get a black Sharpie, right? You've been here before, and they scratch out the verses they don't like. Why do we scratch out the verses we don't like in the Bible? Because we doubt God's goodness. Well, I don't like that verse. Forgive? What do you mean, forgive others as Christ forgave me? What? He can't mean that. He really doesn't. No, he's good. He's good. He means it. Right? You are good. You do good. So teach me your word, Lord. See, if we settle the goodness issues, it flows. It just flows into so many other areas of our walk, our priorities, our prayer, our time in God's word. Right? God's goodness, right? And then on your uh, outline there, right, we talked about priorities, prayer. And then today, real practical, I wanted to look at perseverance. Turn to James 1.12 really quick. James 1.12. How many here have ever been in a situation in your life where you were just asking God, how much longer? 
How much longer? Right? And we slide into just, just, just for me yesterday, one pedal stroke after another. Or we just go one day after another. And we're just like, Lord, how much longer? How much longer? How much longer? Right? Well, God's goodness impacts us in this area of what we call perseverance, right? Turn to James 1.12. It says this. Blessed, that means happy. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Right? The word persevere means abiding under. means abiding under. It kind of means carrying a load constantly, right? Carrying, being steadfast and carrying a load, right? How many of you, when you hear the word perseverance, puts a smile on your face? How many of you, when you hear the word perseverance, you tend to more to the grin and bear it, right? In the Bible, when you see the word perseverance, it actually has a bearing up under with joy. It does not mean a passive grin and bear it. And that's where many of us as believers, you know, we, we use that phrase, it's my cross to bear. Anyone ever hear that? Use that, right? It's my cross to bear. And we walk around like this as believers and, and we wonder why no one wants to know Jesus or come to church. Want to know Jesus? Come on, Betty. Come know Jesus. I got one of these for you too. And we're just going to persevere. We're just going to persevere. We're going to persevere. We're going to grin and bear it. We're just going to grin and bear it, right? Come on, Betty. Want to come to church? We're the church of the grin and bearers. Come on. Right? That's what we get caught up into. That's not perseverance. Perseverance, here's a very, this, this definition, if you want, it's victorious endurance. That's perseverance. In the biblical terms, victorious endurance. With, it has hope. It's triumphant. As you endure whatever you're enduring, that's perseverance. Where does that positive, joyful victory and triumph come from? God's goodness. God's goodness. If God is all good all the time and He's allowed a trial in your life, it can radically change your perspective if you bring His goodness into it. Amen? Because many times when we get these crosses and these things, woe is me. It's all about me. I got to figure this out. I got to, I, 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 I. And we completely ignore God's goodness in the midst of whatever we have to persevere under. Right? And I love this verse. We're going to turn to Romans 8.28. You want to know God's goodness in the midst of perseverance? Here it is. Romans 8.28. Speaking to the believers in Rome. Apostle Paul. And we know, okay, this is an experiential no, not just head knowledge, no, experientially, head and heart. We know that in what? All. Okay, I love what Bill says. In the Greek, what does the word all mean? 
all, okay? Real heavy, all. Everyone say all. Everyone say no exceptions. Everyone say comprehensive. Okay, remember what you just said. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Does that mean that all things are good? No. No. Are shingles good? Not so far, right? Right now, living example is someone who is going through a circumstance that quite literally is not good. So we're not talking about some weird false piety that celebrates illness and, oh, shingles, I love it. It's a, no. Shingles are bad. You're in pain right now, right? You've got to amen, right? But let's look at Romans 8.28. We know that in all things, does that include shingles? Does that include co-worker that you don't get along with? Does that include your financial difficulties? Does that include areas of trial and temptation? Right? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. See, my brother has a choice right now. He can focus on pain alleviation. He can focus on the physical. And I'm not saying that's not important. But if he's not careful, that becomes the end. Lord, just let the pain go away. Just let the pain go away. Just let the pain go away. The application of God's goodness to his situation is, God, you said you're going to work all things for my good. So... I would ask that the pain and this would be healed and this would go away, but I'm not going to bank on that as my source of joy and peace. You see the difference? He's trusting in God's goodness and that God's going to work this because it's part of his all for his good, his ultimate good. That is the core of his peace and confidence and joy. Amen? But he could radically be completely over here and say, Lord, and just become consumed with pain alleviation. See the difference? Question. In your life and in my life, am I more focused on getting the circumstance fixed or am I more focused on trusting in God's goodness through the circumstance? Because that will have a radical, life-transformative impact on your everyday life. Because God is good all the time. Romans 8.28 again. In the same way, I'm sorry. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That word works, present tense, continuous. What does that mean? All the time. All the time. It's present tense, continuous. And that word, uh, that word works is where we get the word synergy. You know what, you know what synergy means? Synergy is when you take two or more things and you put them together and they become a lot better than any one of them in isolation. So here's the thing. God is continuously in your life and my life taking everything and mixing it up as only he can do so it comes out for your good. Amen? 
we tend to focus on isolated things. Right? And, and Bill, you know my heart, right? I mean, shingles. And then this. And then this. And then this. And we get compartmentalized. And we focus on isol- if God would do this. And if God would do this. And if only God would answer this prayer. God's like, no. Synergy. I am good all the time. I know your ultimate good. So I'm going to take shingles. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this. And Bill, I am constantly working everything in your life for your good. For my purpose for you. (sighs) Can you rest in that? You know, we saw where we said God will never leave you nor forsake you. He's never going to desert you. He's not going to abandon you. He's never losing his grip. And the good thing about his goodness and the truth of Romans 8.28, we got this Goliath in front of us. And if we'll step back and go, wait, God's dealing with all the Goliaths in my life all the time. And he's working it out for my good according to his purpose. I can rest in that. I can persevere, right? I can persevere. I can still ask God to heal. I can still ask God to provide. I can still ask very practical needs because he says present our cares to him. You can be very practical, but here's the thing. Never forget that God is working everything in your life, the totality of your entire life. He's working out all the time for your good. He sees it. He sees. Ernie, he sees everything. Right? He knows what's going on with your eye. He knows what's going on. You know, what we're praying for for Sally. He knows everything. And here's the good thing. He's got it all under control. Isn't that awesome? Many of us run ourselves ragged because we're like the person who gets plates spinning. Anyone? Anyone? You're just trying to keep plates spinning in your life. And you go from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. When God wants you to say, come back. Just all things I'm working for your good. I see them all. I see them all. Would you just rest in my goodness? Amen?